pray that it will encourage you. Numbers chapter 13, and I'll begin reading at verse 33. When you have it, church, can you say amen? If you don't have it, look on the board. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their or in the giant's sight. So I want to ask a question today, and I hope that you'll be, you'll be able to answer this well, at least by the time we get to the end of this message. And that is, are you a grasshopper or are you a giant killer? Are you a grasshopper or are you a giant killer? Let's pray. Lord, we were reminded today how you use young people. Young people who may even be small in stature to be able to load and move enough food to feed 5,000 families. And you reminded us once again what you can do with a little bit, what you can do with a little person, that you're able to make your grace abound and you're able to slay a giant through a shepherd boy. May we learn from our children today because, Jesus, you said that they can teach adults the kingdom if we're teachable. So, Lord, have your way. I, I, I surrender to you my uh, two fish and my five loaves with this sermon today. I, I surrender to you, Lord God, my stone to come against Goliath. I, I, I give you my feeble attempts and I pray for your sake and for your glory, you would multiply and you would preach in spite of me. You would preach through me and you would have your people, Lord, to have ears to hear what you're saying to the church, that we would recognize who we are, that we are giant killers. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. And with you on our side, we can do all things. So speak life into your congregation today, God. For those who are struggling with insurmountable odds, may they be reminded that there is nothing too hard for you. Increase our faith today. In Jesus' name, amen. Standing between Israel and their inheritance in the promised land were giants. Standing between them and their destiny, their purpose, were giants, and standing between you and the things that God has called you to do are giants who are daring you to go where God has called you to go. So the question today is, how will you face your giants? God places giants in our paths for the purpose of testing and developing our faith. He puts those giants there to test you, to see what you believe, but also to develop your faith, to grow. And the giants in our paths will either be seen as obstacles to fear or opportunities to overcome. That's so good, I got to say it one more time. The giants that God allows and even places in our paths will either be seen as obstacles to fear or opportunities to overcome. What is the biggest issue that you are facing in your life today? What giant is coming against you, daring you to experience the abundant life that Jesus has provided for you? Is it a financial giant? Is it a medical giant? You got a doctor's report that came back, and it's huge, it's big, it's a giant, it's negative. Is it an emotional giant or a relational giant? What about a judicial giant? Is your giant 
of spiritual proportions. There's a demon. There's an attack against your family. The evil day has come to your front door and you are facing gigantic circumstances. Is your giant unemployment? Is your giant depression? Is your giant divorce? Is your giant sleeplessness? What's your giant? What's the issue? Whatever it is, as children of God, which makes us children of faith, we need to see that giant as an opportunity to overcome and not as an obstacle to fear. If you live long enough, you will face giants. You can be Ching Ching's age and face giants. But when you face them, what are you going to do? Are you going to be afraid of them or are you going to overcome them? I've got news for you today. God expects all of his children to be giant killers. He expects you to kill that giant, to take authority over that giant, to have dominion over that giant. He not only expects you to have victory over the giant that is in your path, he has equipped you with everything you need to defeat the giant that is in your path a giant that he placed there to test your faith and to develop your faith. But here's the thing. As much as God has equipped us and expects us to kill the giant, God is not pleased when his children become afraid of giants and succumb to being grasshoppers. Matter of fact, when we act like grasshoppers, it infuriates God. It makes him angry that we're not living up to what we've attained in him. That God and one person is a majority. That there are more with us than there are with them. Who's on the Lord's side? And when we don't live like who we are, which is a giant killer, and we start acting like what we're not, which is grasshoppers, it infuriates God to the point where he says, how long will I have to put up with Chris having this kind of perspective on himself? He's not a grasshopper. He's a giant killer. I don't care what the giant is because greater is he that is in you than any giant that is in the world. Let me give you the context to this story. The children of Israel have come out of Egypt and they're going to the land that was promised to Abraham. They're moving towards their inheritance, an inheritance that they're going to have to take by force because there are other nations living in the land, ungodly people living in the land, but God had promised the land because the earth is his and everything that's in it. And he said to Abraham and his descendants, after 400 years of slavery, I'm going to bring you back into this land. And it's going to be a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So the nation of Israel, they are on the precipice of entering into the promised land. They're in Kadesh Barnea, about to go over the Jordan River and into Canaan, the land of promise. And before they go, the people come and say to Moses, can we spy the land out first? Can we send 12 of our best leaders over first? to let us know what the land is like. That idea pleased Moses. He went and prayed about it, and God gave Moses the green light to go forward and to send 12 spies into the land to scout it out. And the Bible says that they took leaders, heads, from one of each of the 12 tribes, from Zebulun and and Reuben, and from Dan, and Issachar, and Naphtali, and Ephraim, and, and Judah, they took these men, these leaders, from each one of the 12 tribes, and they were sent out by Moses. And Moses told them, go and find out what the land is like. Bring back fruit from the land, and tell us if the cities are fortified. Bring us back a report, not your opinion. Because in a moment, we're going to see how their opinion, at least from 10 of them, it sent the nation spiraling downward. But nevertheless, they had this mission to go forward. And they went, 
And Moses told them, be of good courage as you spy the land out. And they were gone for 40 days and 40 nights. They went into the valley of Eshkol, which means cluster. And they pulled out a cluster of grapes that was so abundant and fruitful that they hung this cluster from the valley of cluster Eshkol on a, on a pole between two of them. They grabbed pomegranates and figs and they brought back these fruits to let Moses and the people know that the land truly is abundant and blessed. And so this is where we find ourselves. They have come back to give Moses the report. And we'll start at verse 26 of Numbers chapter 13. The Bible says, Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And so they, 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 they come back and they began to give this report. Now, as they give this report, the Bible says in verse 30 that Caleb quieted the people. I'll come back to that in a moment because he had to quiet the people because the people began to panic. As the spies, 10 of them at least, began to say the land is fruitful, however... There are giants in the land who will impede our progress to claim that which God promised us. And the people began to panic. And what we're going to see right now are several characteristics of grasshoppers. I need you to hang with me here. We're going to go through characteristics of grasshoppers. And when I go through this, I want you to notice how they speak. If you speak grasshopper language, you're going to hear yourself in the text in a moment, okay? And at some point, we've all spoken grasshopper. But the goal is to stop speaking grasshopper and start speaking giant killer to learn a new language. And so we're going to learn some things. They're going to speak fear. They're going to speak death. They're going to speak small. And they're going to speak some foolishness. That's what happens when you speak grasshopper. The first thing is you speak fear. And we just read in verses 26 through 31 that they said, you know, the land is good. Nevertheless, in verse 28, the people who dwell in the land are strong. We saw the descendants of Anak there. And the descendants of Anak are giants. So in other words, we are afraid. And the word we just spoke passed through the assembly to the point where Caleb had to quiet them down because they spoke fear to the congregation. Again, they gave their opinion and not just gave, give, had given the facts. They said the giants are there. And when a grasshopper speaks fear, he or she will speak against words of faith and counter them with fear. What do you mean? Remember verse 30? Caleb quieted the people because they just heard the report. Giants over there. They start to panic. Caleb, one of the 12, says, be quiet. He said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. He's a giant killer. We're going to come to him on point two. But look at verse 31. But. Now, when you see but right there, that's a contradiction on everything that was just said. Grasshoppers, one of their favorite words is the word but. Church committees, but we just don't have the money to do it. But we just can't, we've never seen it done before. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go. 
against the people, for they are stronger than we. So Caleb just said, we're able. The grasshopper said, we're not able. And not only are they afraid, but they spread fear on the whole congregation of people. Wow. It's amazing how fear spreads like leaven, and it goes and it seeps into the hearts of the men and women. It's a shame when your leaders speak more like grasshoppers than like giant killers. Because remember, these were the creme de la creme, the, 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 the leaders, the best of the people. And they talk about what they are not able to do. That's how grasshoppers talk. They talk about what they can't do. Grasshoppers are afraid to try because they are afraid to fail. They talk, quote, unquote, rational. they like, now, on paper, they outclass us. On paper, they outweigh us. On paper, they're taller than we are. They're stronger than we are. On paper, you know, so the rational thing to do is to not go in there. That's grasshopper. Grasshoppers disguise a lack of faith with spiritual words. They, dis they disguise having unbelief with being rational. And the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 3, to not lean on your own what? Understanding. Because his understanding, his ways, his thoughts are higher than ours. No, it won't make sense to you when God calls you to do something. Because if it made sense, you wouldn't need to have faith in him to do it. So stop leaning on your own understanding and on what's rational. Not only do they speak fear, but they speak death. Look at verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. So it said, they devour people over there. The word devour is a violent word. These folk eat other people up. They're cannibals or something over there. So they're speaking death or they're speaking defeat before they even try. They're speaking against themselves. And, and again, watch what's coming out of their mouth. Watch what's coming out of your mouth. We're going to get creamed by them. We're going to get killed by them. There's no way we can win. And not only do they speak death, they're exaggerating as they speak death because they said that all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. All of them. Everybody tall over there. All of them are giants. You want me to believe all of them are giants? There aren't any short people in the land of Canaan. Everybody's big. But when you're a grasshopper, you exaggerate the circumstances. And sometimes we do that in our marriages, don't we? Y you never do this for me. Wow, you're using never? I never? Really? Ne not once? Well, maybe once. Well, stop saying never. So watch the words you speak. But then thirdly about them, grasshoppers speak small. We read verse 33 where it says, we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. We looked small to ourselves. We, we looked like grasshoppers. We felt like grasshoppers. They were small in their own eyes and even in the eyes of their enemy. Listen to this. How we see ourselves and how we talk to ourselves will determine whether or not we experience victory or defeat. How you see yourself and how you talk to yourself. They said that we're grasshoppers. So they're talking to one another in a small way. They're saying we're grasshoppers and not only are we grasshoppers and we think we're grasshoppers to one another, they see us as grasshoppers. So let me ask you a question. Which one of you scaredy cats went over and interviewed one of those giants to find out how they felt about y'all? You surely didn't interview one of them. No, no, you ascribe to the giants your personal fear. 
You don't know what they think about you. They don't even know you there. You spying and tiptoeing around. But you projected your fear onto them back to you. One of the, if you want to waste your time, try to think what other people are saying about you. That's a waste of time. What they think about you, you know, and that's what grasshoppers do. They don't have the proof or the facts that somebody actually thinks this way or sees them this way. But in their mind, that's how they, these giants see them. So that's how grasshoppers think. They put thoughts in people's heads and minds when they can't get in people's heads and minds to know what people are thinking about. They think small all of the time. And how you see yourself, how you talk to yourself will determine whether or not you experience victory or defeat. If you say you can't, you won't. If you don't have confidence in yourself and what God gave you, why should I have confidence in you and what God gave you? It's time for you to claim the promises of God and who you are and what he's made available to you. So not only do they speak fear and speak death and speak small, they speak some straight-up foolishness. Look at chapter 14. I'm going to start at verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. Foolish statement number one. You were wanting to get out of Egypt, remember? Now, when God gives you what you prayed for, don't forget what you prayed for when he gives you what you have. I want to get out. We want to get out of slavery. All right, I'm going to raise up Moses. We're going to get you out of there. Oh, I wish they'd have left us back. I wish we had died in Egypt. Grasshoppers. And this one is for free here. I just saw this one in verse 2. Grasshoppers complain against their leaders. <laughs> complaining, complaining, complaining. And then they, they said, uh, 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 why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? So that's foolishness. So my kids are going to be victims as if God who delivered you is not going to deliver your wife and your children. So you're speaking foolishness right now. And then they said, would it be better for us to return to Egypt? So let's see here. You're going to go back to Egypt. How are you going to get through the Red Sea? God ain't going to throw that thing in reverse so you can go back. How you going? You don't have boats. How y'all going to get through the Red Sea? And then when you get back there, do you think Pharaoh won't be happy to see y'all? I mean, they emptied out their treasuries and gave you all their money and all this stuff, and, and the plagues killed their children. Do you really want to go back there? And when you go back there, what you going to do when you get back there? Be a slave again? This is grasshopper psychology here. They're speaking some foolishness. And then in verse 4, so they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. So now they, they want to get a new leader. They're they tired of Moses. They're ready to scrap him. Now, this is why it's dangerous with the things we speak because God hears the stuff we speak. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And whatever we speak is the fruit that we will receive. God heard them complaining. God heard them saying, it'd be better for us to die out here. God is like, okay. Now, this is not on the screen, but it is in your Bible. Chapter 14, verse 26 through 29. Let me read this to you. Numbers 14, verse 26 through 29. So be careful what you talk, what you speak. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? Because when you complain against God's man or woman, you're complaining against God. I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. So you spoke death. Here's what's going to happen. 
Verse 29, the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness, all of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb the son of Jephuna and Joshua the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness. 40 years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. So God says, I'm going to give you what you spoke. You speak death, I'm going to give you death. You speak like a grasshopper, you're going to die like one in this desert. And your kids that you were trying to protect, I'm going to bring them in. So watch what you speak. Grasshoppers' mouths get them in trouble. The words you speak will either get you in trouble or get you through trouble. The words you speak will either get you in trouble or the words you speak are going to get you through trouble. And by the way, when they're doing all this talking in chapter 13 and even in chapter 14, when did they talk about God? They're too busy leaning on their own understanding, being ruled by what they see in the natural realm, that they never talk about God, the God who just delivered them through the Red Sea, the God who's been feeding them and taking care of them, the God who did all of the miracles and the plagues to set them free. How quickly they forgot. They did not bring God into the equation. That's a grasshopper. And here's another thing about grasshoppers. Of those 12 spies, we only remember two two giant killers named Joshua and Caleb, J.C., J.C., Joshua, Yeshua, the Lord is salvation, Caleb, that man who said, I'm going to get that mountain in the future. We remember them, but you can't name one of the 10 spies who had no faith. Their names are listed in the Bible, but none of us know their names because who remembers grasshoppers? Who remembers people with little faith? Who remember people that complain and murmur against God? And not only that, the Bible says later in chapter 14, they all died from a plague. God says, I'm going to hold these leaders under stricter judgment. Y'all took that mission. You came back and you spread a bad report, an evil report, and it set the whole nation off. So God killed those 10 men. My goodness, I don't want to be a grasshopper, do you? Well, now let's see the characteristics of giant killers. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I speak giant. I want to keep speaking giant. And notice how they're going to talk. Again, it's coming out of the mouth. They're going to speak faith. They're going to speak optimism. They're going to speak spirituality or spiritually. They're going to speak. So the first thing, they're going to speak faith. That's what giants do. Faith is in their mouth. We saw it in chapter 13, verse 30. Caleb quieted the people. He quieted them before Moses, and he said, let us go up at once. Let us take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Do you see how he's speaking? He's speaking by faith. Let us go up, and let's go now. Let's not wait for tomorrow. Let's go at once. Let's take possession of it, and we are well able to overcome it. Here's my question. Twelve guys looked at the same thing. Ten of them came back. The majority voted nay. The minority said yay. They're looking at the same thing. How did they come away with different conclusions? Well, God says later in the book of Numbers that Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit about them. They were different. Because if you're going to kill giants, you got to be different. Because when you have faith, there's a thin line. I know they said between love and hate. But when you got faith, there's a thin line between crazy and cocky. And when you start talking faith, people are going to think you either crazy or you arrogant. No, you got a different spirit about you because you're in touch with God through the spirit. 
And you speak life and you speak power, you speak authority. And folk who don't speak like that think you crazy. Grasshoppers think giant killers are crazy for talking that stuff. We think you're crazy for not talking like us. Because when you hear from God, you're going to speak the words of God. When God gives you an assignment, you fulfill the assignment. Because what pleases God? According to Hebrews 11, faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. What pleases God? Faith. What does God reward? Faith. What displeases God? Unbelief. What does God punish? Unbelief. Giant killers have faith. Last Sunday, before we had the meal, the the, uh, soul food luncheon, I prayed over one of our children that's been battling a sickness. Because I don't have permission from the parents, I won't give you the child's name or go specifically into it. But the parents met with their child at home first, took their child to James chapter 5, where it says, if you are sick, go to the elders of the church and let them anoint you with oil in the name of Jesus and the prayer offered in faith will save the sick. So before they came to me, the word of God had already pumped faith into their veins. We sat down, we talked, we grabbed the oil. My wife was with me. We anointed this child with oil. I prayed over this child. And we went down and had a meal, had a good time. I heard later that the child started walking around the house saying, I'm healed. I'm healed. Hadn't been to the doctor yet, but the child, childlike faith, childlike faith, childlike faith, saying, I'm healed, and pastor pray long prayers. That's what the child said. (laughs) Pastor pray long prayers. I'm healed. And so far, the blood work that has come back so far, we don't know the full extent of what's going on, but one thing we do know is that this child does not have cancer because cancer runs in the family, and that was a concern of the parents. And one, one report right now says there's no cancer. We're going to keep praying, and that child going to keep talking. I'm healed. I'm healed. And if a child can do that, some of us get sick, we start picking out casket colors. Come on! That's why I want praying for me. My homeboy, Michael Ralston, who's been fighting two brain tumors and and going through multiple surgeries, who had two strokes the last time in the hospital. He's a giant killer. He don't talk like no grasshopper. They told him he wouldn't be able to use the left side of his body. When I roll up in the house, he's drinking out of a sippy cup, teaching himself how to drink again, using both arms. I saw a video that his mama sent me. He's playing drums with both hands. He's a giant killer. He's going to make it. God rewards that kind of faith. But secondly, giant killers speak optimistically. Look at chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. They speak optimistically. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, this is why it's good to go two by two. You got to have a brother or sister in your life. You can't try to stand and do this by yourself because when one is weak, the other is strong. You got to hold each other up. That's why Jesus sent them out two by two. And so Joshua and Caleb, they were among those who had spied out the land. They tore their clothes and they spoke, watch that, they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, 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 the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. It's a good land. They're speaking optimistically. And then if we go down a little bit in my notes here, uh, I wrote down here that Joshua and Caleb never said anything about giants or the son of Anak in their report. Don't don't miss that now. So they're speaking optimistically, it's a good land, but they never say that they're giants over there. That's obvious, of course they're giants over there, but they're nothing but opportunities for us to step on. 
they're either going to be a stumbling block or a stepping stone. Those giants are stepping stones for us. They're just obstacles that are in the way that we're going to overcome by faith. I'm not even going to talk about who they are. And these guys speak like winners before they ever did any fighting. That's a giant killer. We're going to win this. Just like David in 1 Samuel 17, when he walked up on Goliath, because nobody else would, reminded me of an old kung fu movie where he's like, I'm going to cut your head off today. Before he even does anything. And in the kung fu movies, they say, I'm going to kick you with my right foot on your right cheek and knock you down. Like, you, you say what you're going to do. That's why Ali was the greatest. <laughs> you can shuck and jive, but I'm going to knock you out in round number five. And he did that stuff. Because he's speaking optimistically. And they're speaking optimistically, saying we're going to win before we even fight. But then, thirdly, giant killers speak spiritually. This is the most important piece. They just didn't see it as a natural battle. Like David, they saw it as a spiritual battle. The battle is the Lord's. When David went out, he was like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? Grasshoppers don't talk about God. Giant killers can't help but talk about God. God's going to do this. God's going to do this through us. They included God in the battle, and they depended on God for the victory. Look at verses 8 and 9. Joshua and Caleb said, if the Lord delights in us, and he does, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. He will bring us. He will give it to us. Do you see their perspective? It's not up to me. It's up to him. He'll use me in the process, but it's not up to me. He's going to bring us in. He delights in us. He's going to give us the land. Verse 9, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. You got to look at what these men said. They said that... Uh, these people are our bread. Now, the grasshopper says they're going to devour us. They're going to eat us up. But the giant killer said, we're going to eat them up. When I played football, there'd be times we would face an opponent, and I would be a little intimidated because they were bigger than we were. But we would have somebody on our team that would have this kind of crazy faith that we could win, that we could play, and we would feed off that person's faith and courage until ours kicked in. That's how it should have been with these two men speaking. But the ten had ruled the congregation to the point where later they're talking about stoning the two. But these two men says, we're going to eat them up. Don't you want them on your team? Don't you want them in your church? Don't you want them on in your family? These kind of cats you want to hang out with, they're going to be our bread. How many remember playing Pac-Man or Ms. Pac-Man? Mm-hmm. Whole game, Pac-Man getting chased. Chased by them little gobbly goops, them things. But don't let Pac-Man find one of them little pills in the corner. Once Pac-Man eats the pill, the game changes, right? Because now, rather than being chased, because of what Pac-Man or Ms. Pac-Man ate, now they're chasing what was chasing them. Because now they got some power. And not only that, they got praise music under them because the music changed. So they got some truth and they got some spirit. They got some word. They got some worship. I know I'm stretching the illustration, but you get it. Now that you've got some word from God, you've worshiped God, now you're going to eat up the stuff that was trying to eat you up. And when you feel your power draining, you got to eat one more of them bad boys. We're going to eat them up. No, no. I love this. They are being aggressive. They are on the offensive. And Jesus, when he gave the keys of the kingdom to the church, he put us on the offensive and the gates of hell on the defensive. But why do Christians always act like we on the defensive and hell is on the offensive? Hell don't get none here. We're following Jesus, and he leads us in a triumphal procession, and we're unlocking gates. They have to figure how to stop us as opposed to us trying to figure out how to stop them. It's a mindset. I'm a giant killer. 
And then they said their protection is gone. And them cats were like, God covered them for a minute just till we got there. Then God lift the covering so they don't have God's covering over them. But guess what? His covering is over us. And if God is with us, as they say, then who can be against us? Isaiah 40, verse 22. Isaiah 40, verse 22. It is he, speaking of God, who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. So when God, the most high, nobody higher than God, when he looks down above the circle of the earth, again, evidence in the Bible that the earth is not flat but round. He looks at us, everybody look like grasshoppers. Whether you nine foot nine like Goliath was or five foot 11 like I am, you all look the same from God's perspective. You all look small. <laughs> and so a grasshopper sees things from man's perspective, but a giant killer sees things from God's perspective. Everybody's small and God is big. When David killed Goliath, he got interviewed immediately by ESPN. ESPN said, David, did you really think your rock was going to hit Goliath in the forehead? I mean, he's so big. Weren't you afraid, David? David said, no, I wasn't afraid. And because when I looked at Goliath, I saw he's so big, I can't miss him. But above that, my God is bigger than this one who's coming against me. So I cannot lose. Uh, look for that today at 6 o'clock on ESPN. And based on how this story ends up in the Bible, with Joshua and Caleb, we learn that giant killers live long. They live long. Giant killers live well. Giant killers serve as good leaders, and giant killers eventually inherit the land promised to them. Joshua and Caleb got the land. Caleb got the mountain that he asked God for. And even as an old man, he says, I still feel young, even though I'm coming into this land old, because I had to walk around waiting on y'all to die off for 40 years before I could get what I had coming to me by faith. And now that I'm old, I still feel good, and God gave me the mountain. So in conclusion, what are you going to be today? Are you going to be a grasshopper, or are you going to be a giant killer? If you're a Christian, you already are a giant killer. You just need to live like it. Because once you believe it, you'll start talking like it. But if you don't believe it, You'll keep talking like a grasshopper. That's the natural way to talk. But because a supernatural power is in your life through God's spirit, I'm going to talk like what I believe I am. And I am a giant killer. 1 Corinthians 4.13, the Bible says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, what is written, what is written, I believe what is written. And therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Whatever you believe is what you're going to speak. And faith and fear cannot occupy the same heart at the same time. Doesn't mean we don't have bouts with fear, which, by the way, is a spirit and not just an emotion, 2 Timothy 1.7. But when faith is operating, fear cannot be in the same place. And faith comes when I hear the word of God. Now, 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 I know some charismatic brothers and sisters go overboard with this speaking stuff. But some conservatives need to get on board with some of this speaking stuff. Yeah, yeah, they go overboard, but at least they're doing something. We so conservative, we don't speak a thing that God tells us we can speak. So get in the Word. And when the Holy Spirit gives you a promise... You hold on to that promise. You believe it and you speak it because your words will either have you talking like a grasshopper or talking like a giant killer. So when the giant presents itself, will you cave and talk about how small you are and what resources you don't have? Or will you stand tall because you know who's standing in you, standing with you, standing behind you, standing over you, standing under you, standing before you? And will you stand and will you speak like you believe it? That this wall, because remember, they're going to hit a wall called Jericho. It's got to come down. 
from a shout because God said so. Will you kill giants or will you be a grasshopper? Well, a giant fell on Tuesday in my life, Tuesday. And this giant has been in place for 120 years in a prominent place in the city of Franklin. And this giant is the Confederate statue that has sat alone in the center of the city for 120 years. Some felt untouchable. Some felt the land was holy all around it, that nothing could be on it or near it. But over a year ago, God gave us a word. God gave us a vision. God gave us a plan and a purpose. Not so much to take down the physical statue, but to begin taking down the spiritual strongholds that support that statue. And I remember in one of our first meetings when we talked about putting up historical markers that tell the fuller story about the Civil War and not just this one side from the losing side that glorifies the losers. But no, a fuller story. And not only that, let's see an image of a black man in statue form in downtown. You know, five years ago, that would have been impossible. Ten years ago, come on, you crazy. A hundred years ago, you'll get killed thinking that. But the idea and the time came together. And I began speaking. And I said over a year ago, because I'm a giant killer in the name of Jesus, I said, this is the right thing to do. We can do this. We should do this, and we will do this. And in that meeting, there were some grasshopper preachers who said it'll never happen. But last Tuesday, with an eight to zero vote for the plan, the board says, yes, put the markers up, put the statue up. We got to kill some giants around here. And I don't believe I'm by myself. Any giant killers in the house? Come on now. No more grasshopper. No more grasshopper. Well, stand to your feet, giants. Stand to your feet, giants. Stand to your feet, giants. I remember when God called Jeremiah. He said, I want you to go preach to nations. Jeremiah said, I can't do that. I'm too young. And God said to Jeremiah, don't you dare call yourself young. Because when you question, when I call you, when I call you and you question it, you're making it seem like I don't know what I'm doing. But I call weak folks. I turn grasshoppers into giant killers. I, kill, I turn shepherd boys into kings. But will you trust me? Father God, would you baptize this church afresh and fill us with the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit that transformed the disciples from cowards into courageous men who weren't afraid to die and lay their lives down. Through intimacy with you, boldness naturally comes, or should I say supernaturally comes. So when we face the giants, things that are bigger than us, stronger than us, may we not worry. May we not start looking at our own resources and our own abilities. May we not talk like grasshoppers but may we speak like giant killers, knowing whose side we're on, knowing who's with us, knowing the God that can guide a stone to hit a giant in the forehead, knowing a God that can give a plan that doesn't make sense. Walk around a wall and shout, it's going to come down. Oh God, we want to walk by faith to the point where people do think we're crazy. We want to hold on to your word where people do, and, and a lot of times people do think we're crazy because we tithe at church. You must be crazy giving money at that church because we choose to live celibate if we're single. They think we're crazy. Oh, all these women out here, you're not out here doing, no, we're different. You're raising your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. You're not letting the school system do it. By, no, 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 you're crazy for doing this stuff. Yes, we are. We're fools for Christ. And I thank you that our children are teaching us how to have faith in this church. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I'm just asking that you would glorify yourself and heal our children. Or should I say, continue to heal our children? Thank you, God. 
<laughs> you are amazing. You're awesome. And may we please you with our faith. And when we are struggling with unbelief, as we do from time to time, might we be able to say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's where we are. <laughs> Thank you that you can take that mustard seed and turn it into a mighty tree. Thank you, God. I don't know what mountains and giants your people are facing today, but I'm sure it fits into those categories we talked about. But we say to that mountain, we speak to that giant, is there anything too hard for God? <laughs> you must come down. You will be overcome because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And as we go out into the world now, Lord, fill us with your spirit. As we will be tested and tried, may we not think it strange. May we not think that you hate us. What are you doing? May we trust you, realizing that you're using this stuff to make us stronger. So now unto him who's able, who's able, who's able to do, to do exceedingly, exceedingly, abundantly, abundantly, above, above. That sounds like people who kill giants, and it's according to the power that's at work within us. Get the grasshopper out of our flesh in the name of Jesus. We crucify grasshopper mentalities and grasshopper tongues. It's according to the power that's working in us. To you, Lord, be the glory, the honor, the dominion, and the power. Right now, right now, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday night, when the doctors report, the bills come, you're able. <laughs> and if I got some giant killers in the house, can you say amen? Amen, amen. amen. Put your hands together, giant killers. You go, hey, hey, oh, we can do this. All right, all right. And um, if I have some brave adults who have not been baptized and you want to be baptized, you know you need to be baptized, but you have not been baptized as an adult. Don't let our children keep leading the way during our baptisms. Speak with Pastor Jerry. We have a baptism coming this month. We love to baptize some adults, some giant killers, along with our children. God bless. Have a great day. Amen. Amen.